Hey guys, welcome to our newest episode of Untucked. Today, we are going to spend a bit of time on Philly sports as it's been a while since we've recorded. Um, Coach's Corner, we're going to talk about bonds and the um, pretty significant bear market they're experiencing right now and, and have been for quite some time. We're also going to discuss what Jeff believes is a fairly novel idea about um, single people marrying each other for um, financial benefit. (laughs) And uh, we'll wrap up with our top five. Thanks for listening. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect the opinions or views of FC Advisory, the Financial Coach Group, or the New Wealth Project. Nothing discussed on this podcast should be interpreted as investment advice. Welcome to episode 91 of Untucked. This is Megan. It's Mike. And this is Jeff. Welcome back, guys. Happy Halloween. Speaking of (laughs) Halloween, did you guys know that Halloween is the second largest commercial holiday in the country? Christmas is one. Halloween's two. Meaning money spent on it? Nine billion. Mm -hmm. Nine billion. That makes sense. In 2019. Really? Yeah, because what else would be above Halloween? I don't know why like Valentine's Day wouldn't be. I mean, it's, it's roses, dinners, candies, it's a, it's candy, and a card. Maybe and di- like Halloween is maybe it's candy like, and a card. It's candies and costumes <laughs> and parties and all that stuff. Maybe Valentine's you know? Day is candy and a card in your house, but I think a lot of people take it seriously and invest. Who in good takes it seriously anymore? I mean, not Come me, but, not me, but yeah. But I think a lot of people do. A lot of our listeners probably do. Mike. <laughs> can you can you take? I mean, this one's an easy one, but can you take a guess at what the number one candy is? Reese's. Reese's what? Pumpkins. Reese's pumpkins. Yeah, they have that's them pumpkins. Mean like a Reese's peanut butter cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's number one. in a pumpkin shape. Yeah, yeah, that's number one. But yeah, th- okay. Sorry. Just to go back, just drive around and look at the the money people spend to decorate, decorate their yards and do all like costumes. It's getting more. I think Halloween has been getting more and more extravagant since I was a kid. Yeah, for sure. Smoke machines. Yeah, people go a little nuts. Yeah. So we were talking about. I was talking with a buddy about mischief night, which yep. is no longer a thing. Because kids, of kids ring, don't do it anymore. Well, ring cameras and mm. and butt hurt people in general that can't deal with like a little toilet paper in the tree or whatever. That's right. Damn technology <laughs> catches you every time. <laughs> I used to do mischief night on Halloween. So really? when I was older, like my like Colin's age, like fifteen, we would go to like Wawa and get cartons of eggs and put them in our like our our. Um, Bag. Yeah, we used pillowcases because like we couldn't go out on mischief night because everybody was looking for you with like BB guns and stuff. So then we would just go later when like Halloween was shutting down and we just egg houses. You like toilet paper is one thing. Egging is so disrespectful. Yeah, it was like so easy though and so much fun. <laughs> oh, that wasn't a great kid. Like I'm, I'm admitting that. How upset would you be if your house got egged? Oh. Um, now looking back and now that I was a perpetrator in the events as a child, I'd be more accepting of it. Okay. If I found out that my son did it, 
I'd be like livid. Well, to your own house, you probably wouldn't. Well, right? Not to my own house. I mean, if I if like a neighbor was like, oh, I got oh, Kyle and like yeah. egg in our house. What if it's a neighbor that you really don't like? I would be thrilled with it. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely thrilled. Well, there's a fair amount of Philly sports that have happened since our last recording, yeah. which was September 28th. Yeah, so we're a month Ooh. since our last one. Apologies to our listeners. Um, Phil's unfortunately. R.I.P. Lost in the uh, NLCS, so we don't have a World Series rooting interest. I don't have a whole lot I want to say about it. Yeah. You guys are welcome to comment on baseball for this episode. I may take a pass, though. I mean, I don't have much to say other than, you know, the guys who should have showed up didn't and is what it is. I mean, if you go back to the beginning or the middle of the season, would you have been like, okay, let's say they make it to game seven of the NLCS and lose, that would be expectation for this team? Or did you? would you say, no, they, they're, they're World Series? I mean, I or bet both. on them in March to win the World Series. <laughs> to win. I bet on them in March to win the World Series. Well, look, they lost in the World Series the previous year. This year they added Trey Turner. But they also, well, okay, and so last year they, they snuck in as a wild card. Mm-hmm. They did exactly and what the Diamondbacks the are doing right now. Yeah, yeah. I just hate that you can play well all year, and then the way baseball just flat out is, you can have a game or two where you just don't hit, and that costs you your play. Like, look at the Braves. Braves were the best team in baseball. We beat them three games to one because they didn't hit. Like, that's crazy. If I was a Braves fan, you know how pissed I would be? The Bra- I think we just have the Braves number. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's the, like two years in a row that that's happened. Two years in a row, they've come into Citizens Bank at, like, vibes all-time high. Yeah. Like, the momentum at that point in the Philly season, specifically against the Braves. Like, I, I don't know how they... <laughs> like, nobody could have came no, in our, our, our... I don't think so. And it just... The Braves happened to be that team two years in a row. It's sad. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm also a very casual observer over the course of the season. Um the pitch clock? Great. Where has this been? Yeah. It's fantastic. It is so much better. The product is so much better. Now, granted, it's playoff baseball and not, you know, August 2nd baseball. But, like, the product is better. Good on whoever decided that. No doubt. It's a no-brainer. Now, you guys got to watch the playoffs because that's when you decided to tune in. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, the, the season is long. But... I would argue there was just as much, if not even like more excitement during the season. Like they had some games where they, now I'm not asking you to watch 162 games. You're not going to get me to, but uh, they were, they were a good product all season. That's a tough sell, dude. Let's <laughs> <laughs> leave it at that. Well, the birds are seven and one. Yeah. So big week, shitty ending for the fills, but you know, here we are in the thick of the football season. Yeah, I think I had them 8-0 and to start. I think we may have done this. And I was like, win, 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 win. Maybe 9-0 and because I think I had them beating the Cowboys. Um, yeah, you definitely didn't have them losing to the Jets. Definitely not. I still don't think they look great. I mean, I, I watch a game and I'm like, oh, my God, they look like crap. I get in, in and I'm, I'm driving into work in the morning and the guys on the radio, not the callers, like the people that know stuff about stuff. We're like, God, it looked great. And I'm like, really? 
Like I haven't thought they looked like they I don't I don't feel like they've put together a complete game yet. Like one game like from the first quarter through the fourth, they looked like a solid team. But I think I feel like that's an unrealistic ask. That happens so rarely. Have you watched the Chiefs in the last five years? Yeah. I mean, they're just unstoppable. They haven't looked great this yeah, season right. either. They have two losses. Yeah. That's so, that, so that's okay then. I think Mike's point is it's more realistic. It happens. Like you're going to have a couple of bad drives in the second quarter and you don't do anything. And then... Like that, that, like that was the game the other day, right? They their first half was, I mean, two fumbles inside the five yard line on, yeah. in the red zone, and they still ended up winning by what? I don't know what was it. They basically won by they won by two touchdowns, yeah. but they won by one. They scored it because the oh, right, right, right. Okay, Washington scored a junk touchdown at the end. Right. I think a lot of what you're feeling is maybe Jalen's play. Like it's a lot of it. Yeah, I don't. And and look, they're seven and one. It's about the team. Yada yada yada. But like. He has looked mediocre to me. Like, he's I don't limping think, around, though. I yeah, I know there's a, an issue. He's he hasn't been taking care of the ball. I don't know. I just maybe he had, like a lot of expectation, and I don't know. It's it's that his like some of his decision making. It's a lot like there's some drives where he looks like he has no idea what's happening. And then three drives later, he throws a dot eighty yeah. yards to AJ. Now I'm sure AJ Brown helps make him look sure. pretty good, but like he's he throws like every game he's putting balls like two or three balls like where they shouldn't be there, and they're yeah. right there. And that's what is frustrating me. It's like, and then the defense, same thing. Like they'll come up with huge stops, and then it's like third and twenty one, and like up oh, first down, they gave up a first. Like the inconsistency is just. It's all over the place. Yeah. But I, I would argue at this point, that's okay. Like, you don't want to peak too early. You want to, uh, you know, get through some tough games. Washington plays them. It's unbelievable. Better than, I mean, the whatever, Howell, he looked like a Dude, he had like MVP 57 candidate. points in my He was my, my fantasy. fantasy guy, and I benched him. Uh, oh, my God. How bad he is. Dude, he had like 50 points yeah, for fantasy. I know. He, I know. He was <laughs> like, if you never watched the NFL, you would have thought he's the best player in the league. Yeah. If you just oh my god that game in isolation, Absolutely. yeah. So one other thing I'll say about watching the birds is is all those years where their receiver core was just atrocious, yep. mm-hmm. and now you look at these guys like Brown and Smith and and even. Jones now on the team. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh my god, Julio Jones. He's thirty four years old, man. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't even think Devontae's having like a, a spectacular season. Uh, he had one game where he took a bunch of drops. Other than that, he's just not getting the ball. And yeah. it's like, I know he had 100 yards last week and a touchdown, but you get him involved more. They're on. I mean, how how are you going to stop him? But I think that's that. Like that's the what happens when you have this type of offense, right? Yep. You have AJ Brown, who's like probably the best wideout in the league right now. Right now, absolutely. You have. DeAndre Swift, you have Jalen Hurts. Like, there's not enough balls to go around. Goddard, Devontae. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, everybody has to get touches. Yeah, it's just hard. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess they must be, the defenses must be shutting everybody else down. Like, all right, we'll have to let A.J. Brown beat us. And like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he just goes, he does that. Yeah. So, all right, so let's let's maybe stop with Bird's talk there and just go right to, like, what do you think? 
Because this is a huge week. It's Cowboys week. Mm -hmm. This is like make or break time, like put up or shut up. This defines who's the better team. What do you think? Like a score prediction? Sure. I'm bad at this because I don't know if the numbers I use are like realistic. 31, that's like a realistic score. It could be anything. Birds, 31, 24. Okay. Cowboys win by 10. Wow. 24, 14. Oh, low that's, scoring. That's a, that's a horrible prediction. I say 31-28 birds. There's no way the birds are only going to put up 14 points. I'll, I want I'll the, bet you 100 I, hours a bird score I more than 14 to points. to Meg's kind of point earlier, I think it would be better for this team if they lose now to the Cowboys than the other I don't, way I didn't around. say when I wanted to lose to the Cowboys. No, no, but pe- the peaking too early thing. <laughs> because if they beat the Cowboys, you know, you're going to come in here at the next pod being like, Oh, 16 and one, you know. <laughs> um, I love how you spun it's, it's Meg's a, comments. Yeah, I don't want them to lose the Just like Meg said. Like, Anybody else. I don't know. It's important sometimes to have some adversity uh, psychologically for the other team. Like, I, I just, I don't know. I don't think it's bad if they lose. They have a tough like they stretch do. here. They have what? Uh, they have Buffalo, Kansas City, Buffalo, Niners. San Francisco. Like I think that's their next couple. And then of, Cowboys again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think their next five or six games, they win half of them. They're they're golden. Yeah. And just please beat the Cowboys this Sunday. Just stay healthy. Yeah. Mm. Cool. All right. All right. Fly guys. Season underway. Yeah, like eight or nine games in, they're around five hundred. They've probably looked and played better than. Ex- expectations you know some of the players have been good Hart has been pretty good Couturier and, and Atkinson back in the lineup uh, are are back in their form um, you know Sam, I, they're 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 hanging in they got I think they got blo- I would say they got blown out twice this year so far but all the rest of their games they've been competitive or right there or hard like they're working hard i don't think i i wouldn't i wouldn't complain too much about what they've done so far um they will probably i think they're probably going to end up being around a 500 team they're going to be tough out they're not going to get destroyed by you know four out of every five games but they're not going to not going to roll through the league there's too much talent and speed and skill and and you could see it last the other night. Uh, Carolina was it last night? Carolina's fast, and the Flyers are just hanging on for dear life. Um, they're just not fast enough. If there are five hundred teams, does that get them in the playoffs? No, and it Which doesn't matter because it, with hockey, it's not like other sports where it's like, well, if you're hot going into the playoffs, you, you just make it. You have a chance. Good, like the Golden Knights are going to smoke whoever just like there's, snuck into the playoffs. There's five to six teams that are head and shoulders better. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's what sucks is that they'll you know that puts them at like a ten or twelve draft pick, and that's so hit or miss. Yeah, um, but there's definitely not. I'm still watching it. I like watching the guys, and and there's there's good players on the team, and you want to see them make progress, and that's all we got. Nice. Did you hear the big news on the Sixers today? Did not. James Harden has been traded oh. officially. Yeah. Big news, I know. Um, the general sentiment of my Twitter feed, which I consider my Sixers friends, even though I know none of them personally, has done a 180. 
I mean, the team that everybody was writing off, not watching, not cheering for, everybody's back. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) it took three games. (laughs) I mean, a a huge trade. He was like a, just a dark cloud looming. Um, Didn't show up for anything preseason. Didn't travel with the team. Did you see the home opener? What? So, like, did I watch the game? Yeah, yeah. Did they did they pan to the guy in the crowd that was dressed like Michael Myers? Yeah, and he had the sign that like "Bring me Harden" or something. There was there's a guy dressed like Michael Myers holding a sign that said "Bring me Harden," and Harden is just staring at him. And they have video of like the two of them. The Michael Myers guy didn't even move a muscle, just holding <laughs> the sign, and James Harden's just staring at him. <laughs> so he got traded to the Clippers, which is what he said he wanted. Um, the six him and PJ Tucker, the Sixers got a couple of picks, a couple of bodies. Robert Covington, who was a former process era Sixer, is coming back. Um, generally, people are happy because he's gone. Um, okay. The actual haul Not for him. Of the return. Yeah, I mean, I think the the picks obviously are are to be determined. Um, two first rounds though, which is good. Um, and then the contracts, so Harden's contract and P.J. Tucker's contract leaves a lot of space. So there's talk that maybe another piece can be added this year. This year? Yeah. Um, and then it gives a ton of room next year to ultimately sign Maxi, who's been – it's only three games, but awesome. So Do we still have Tobias? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Although, and again, it's three games, so like – I don't want pretty good. Their offense is different in a in a good way. Um, there's so much movement. Like Doc was, everybody clear out, stand on the three point line, and let Embiid do what he does. Right. There's cutting. There's ball movement, and there just seems to be energy. I mean, again, three games in. I want to like add that kind of caveat, but yeah, um, I heard Embiid has looked more aggressive than he has in the past. He looks more aggressive. They look energetic. They look bouncy. And again, the the offense is just moving. And they're saying the right things. Like everybody's very excited about the way things are going. This team needs to look different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like yeah if they totally. want to maintain any kind of fan base, they need to look different. Well, I think for me, like as excited as I was about Doc being fired with – the way that the season ended last year, like it didn't feel like a coaching change was enough. Right. And I still don't know that it is, of course, but like seeing it in three games, how different it looks already is, it gives you a little bit of optimism, yeah. right? It's not, I'm not like expecting dramatically different outcomes, but it's giving me, it's getting me more excited that like the seat change did in fact matter. Yep. So we'll see. Cool. I'm excited. Yeah. Go Sixers. Go Sixers. All right. Well, that was our longest uh, Philly sports segment ever. Dude, we got all four sports raging. I know. We had all four sports raging. (laughs) All right. You want to dive into Coach's Corner? Yeah. Um, So today we're going to talk about an article written by Ben Carlson, um, who has a blog called The Wealth of Common Sense. The article's titled The Worst Bond Bear Market in History. Um, With long-term bonds in a nearly three-year decline, we've 
often gotten asked specifically this year why we continue to own them. Today, we want to discuss the reality of bonds, their relationship to interest rates, and why certain why certain investors should continue to own them. So I was kind of interested in this topic because I'm just, I'm not tired of it. I'm just, I guess, tired of it. I'm tired of getting the question from clients like bonds are so bad they've been and that's and that's very recency bias like they've been so bad the last 24 months um or 18 months or however whatever the time frame is like why do we even have them like what are we doing shouldn't we get out of them because i don't see any hope for them in the near future and i happened to be in a client account yesterday and i looked at one of like the aggregate bond funds or just kind of a a total market bond fund or something or an intermediate term bond fund. And I saw that in the cost basis, it was down like 15%. I'm like, wow, that's a lot. And I went back to see when it was purchased. I'm like, oh my God, it was bought in 2014. It's like almost 10 years ago and it's negative 15. But then I realized all dividends, all all interest were were reinvested over that time. So it's really not down 15%. I didn't go back to add up all the interest, but bonds pay interest every month. So, I mean, that fund is definitely up. Bonds are definitely up over that decade, right? You would imagine. I haven't, like, done done the research in the back. Like, I haven't gone back. But over the last 10 years, bonds are positive. Total return, yeah. Just yes. because if you got you to gotta count the interest. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So total return, bonds are up. And we're in this time frame now where interest rates have skyrocketed, which drove bond values way down. So they're at losses from when you bought them, if you bought them a year and a half ago. So is now the time to get out, get rid of bonds and and just park your money in a 5% money market instead of bonds? Okay. So I would say no, uh, because, you know, interest rates are going to go up. Interest rates are going to go down. That's the most common thing that people, a lot of people say. They have conviction in what interest rates are going to do, and there is nothing more unpredictable than interest rates. Literally, it's the hardest thing to predict, professional, amateur, or anything else. There are so many factors that go into what drives interest rates up or down. Um, And the reason to own bonds is not whether they're recently up or down. It's because they are the counterbalance typically to stocks in a balanced portfolio. If that's what you believe in, that's what you do. Um, Most times when stocks go one way, bonds go the other or don't go anywhere or vice versa. And that's that's the whole point of having its diversification, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Lots of people will just take what happened, your point about recency bias, observe that interest rates have gone up and just say, well, they're going to continue to go up. So bonds are going to continue to go down. So why do we have them? Um, If and when the opposite happens, for whatever the reasons, and you own bonds, you're going to be pretty happy because interest rates go down, bond prices go up, just like they went down. That's just math. So to me, it's just that simple. Um, It's not at all about looking at what has recently done what. You would do the same thing with stocks. You don't say, well, stocks have been shit for the last 18 months, so why do we have them? Right. You well, let me, let me ask you yeah. this. If, bond, if interest rates stayed exactly where they are now mm-hmm. for the next three years, 
wouldn't you get higher than money market yields on bonds? Yeah. If you so own, that's why you own them. If you own, again, I guess the answer is it depends because it depends on what the, you know, what longer term bonds are paying versus intermediate or shorter. Whatever. But in but most, generally speaking, in most yes, cases, especially if you have like corporate bonds that are paying high. Like, so yes. You can't yes. hold a money market at 5% and then take risk by taking debt in a company and get paid less over a longer period of time. Correct. It just yes. can't happen. The, like, the market doesn't work that way. Right. And I just don't understand why people don't understand that. Am I just blinded by their like our our, our clients and investors' emotion? I, I, not blind. I don't think you're blinded. I think they're looking at their bank paying five, and then they see the performance of their the bond portion of their account being off. And it's like, why wouldn't I just swap them, right? Why wouldn't we just do that instead? I don't think you're guess, blinded by uh, anything. I, I'm feeling this way because I've really never had to feel this way before. Like over the last 20 years, if money markets were paying five, you obviously wouldn't sell your stocks to go there because over the long term, stocks are going to do better. Right. There's, there's, no, like, there's no question they're going to outperform money markets. And bonds have always kind of held up over the last 20 years because interest rates went down over that time frame. And I've never had to really defend them until until today. Yeah, but then just remember all of the other factors at play today, which again, I would argue have always been in some version of themselves. But people are, are nervous and, and scared and there's uncertainty. And I think it's just, there's an element of, right, money market funds, banking products that provides assurance. So I think it's more psychological capital than anything. So you're saying I haven't had to defend them. I don't know that it's bonds specifically, right? It was stocks last year. It's like I can go get five at in safe money. Right. I don't I, I don't know if I can tolerate the the ups and downs and the volatility. And I think that's at least in my that's more so what I'm what I'm dealing with or what I'm hearing. And I think it just takes time for people to start if they even pay attention to it, which I would say 80% of investors don't like if you have half your money in bonds and you grab your year end statement this year and you look at the, the total income generated in your, in your account, mm -hmm. it's significant, right? Like you have a high yield from those, from the bonds that you own. So I think it might just take time for the people to start realizing that, that they, they mm -hmm. do pay interest instead of just looking at, you know, the value and how that's changed. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I think the problem was last year, still, yeah. which was unprecedented in so many ways in which, you know, stocks were down anywhere from 10 to 30, depending on what kind of stocks. And then bonds were down, you know, 10 to 15. Yeah. Never happened before. That's, a, that's hard to take. Especially for people who expect the what normally happens to, to happen, right. which is that, oh, well, at least the bond, like 2008, bonds held their, held serve while stocks got pummeled. That didn't happen this time. So last year, like, we, we said that it was kind of, like, it's never happened before. To and, that degree. I think and to it was that degree. To that, to that yeah. a, a length of time. Because obviously stocks and bonds yeah. move the same way a lot of times, but never for that long of a duration. Is that correct? Well, and that severe. Yeah, yeah, the double digit declines in both asset classes is just like unheard of. So now is when like all the articles start cropping up that like 
sixty forty is dead. Balanced yeah. portfolios mm-hmm. are dead because yeah. that's like it's so easy to, to to pick on that at this point. Yeah, we all we all kind of disagree with with that 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 stuff is dead. Yeah, yeah, and like every other conversation that we've had when it was when it was the other way around when people are questioning stocks. My follow up question after I defend bonds when people say should we get out of bonds. I defend why we want to keep them, but then say, like, what else would we do? Like, what else are people looking for? You know what? Yep, we should get out of bonds and we should um, use an income. Our income play and our safe play is going to now be Bitcoin. Like, it can't be stocks because now you're just 100% stocks. You can't park it in cash because then you're going to miss the run up of bonds if and when interest rates go down. And over the next three years or four years or five years, you'll probably be worse off sitting in cash. Yeah, because some people would say, well, then why do we, if, if, if cash is paying five, sell all the bonds and just have everything in cash and stocks. That's great so long as nothing changes. And what you just said would be the good example. If interest rates go from, I'm, I'm using round numbers, they go from five to two. Well, now your money market's paying two. And the bonds that you ditched have appreciated significantly and you missed all of it. So I'm going to play devil's advocate. I'm the advisor, I'm the, or I'm the client, I'm the investor. I'm going to say to you, I'm going to just keep it all at 5%. And when the Fed meets, if they raise it 25 basis points, then we'll, or if they drop the interest rates 25 basis points, I'll jump, we'll jump back in bonds then. Nine times out of 10, if you go to the client and say, hey, they dropped points, uh, interest rates 25 basis points, let's go do that bond move that you talked about. What are they going to say? No. No, no. I'm getting what, five on my money. Yeah, right. <laughs> they're not going to do it. So you're going to, and, and then you have to have faith that they're going to continue to cut rates, which who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's again, the most unpredictable thing, no matter how many, how confident people are in writing about it and talking about it. It's silly to try to predict the direction of interest rates in the short or intermediate term, in my, in my opinion. It all comes back to like investing is boring. Just mm-hmm. pick your strategy, stick with it, don't change it. Like unless something, unless someone figures it out, and there is some formula that comes along that solves the mystery of what's going to happen in the future. But to <laughs> date, luck. like no one's figured it out. Yeah, and people just don't want to hear it. I think in in their defense, there being the people, like over the last almost 24 months now, it's it's sucked to hear. Like I I know it's what we're supposed to say. I know it's what we're supposed to do. And I feel convicted in that. Um, But it sucks. (laughs) Like it's been ugly. And and to say like it will get better – I think it's just we're reaching a point in time. You said this in a meeting the other day. Like we're reaching a point in time where I think people are kind of hitting breaking points. Yep. Um, and that's I think normal from a from a human you know behavior standpoint. It's why we exist to make sure that you know bad decisions aren't made at these times. But I'm trying. I think we're all trying to have a little bit more kind of empathy as it relates to like where investors are yeah. today compared to, you know, 12 months ago compared to 24 months ago. Like the change over the last two years has been, or three years, I should say, has been like dramatic. So, September and October have hurt. 
because I felt like people were starting to feel better. Yeah. Because the stock market was doing well. Yeah. Through the first half of the year, and then but so it, quickly they gave it all back. But it kind of wasn't like I mean, last Large year was last year. Was well. Last year was everything was down. Nowhere, yeah. nowhere to hide. This year is. I think I just read where more than half of stocks, I'm just using the collective group stocks, are down over 10% year to date. More than half. Yeah. That's bad. But yet you have like the Magnificent Seven or whatever they call <laughs> the stupid tech stocks that are just still up huge. And they're so, they're so massive <laughs> that they're dragging certain indices like higher and they're kind of masking what's going on underneath. And I think that that is real and people maybe feel that um, because certain funds or certain investments they have are not up. And, uh, and, and certainly I think if you're like a stock picker, can't imagine what you're dealing with. (laughs) Yeah. Small and mid caps are kind of struggling. this year, Yeah. Big time. Um, And value too. Like everything other than big tech is, is, it's not good. I mean, it's it's needed though. Like, I mean, we we're not going to get the four or five years consistently of good markets unless you have pain points like this, and it sucks. It's brutal personally to watch your investments go down. It's brutal to talk to clients all day that are just still disappointed after eighteen months. I mean, they 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 have faith and they believe and they're hanging in, but it's it's awful. It's it's yeah. miserable to go through it with them and for them when they look to you as they're professional and you said it meg like we got to have that empathy we have to be convincing in a meeting like the reason we're not going to move to a money market and you have to trust me sally and john is that you're going to stay in bonds and believe me three four years from now five you're going to be better off by owning those bonds and they have to feel that conviction or they're going to like they start scratching their head and, and then they start worrying more and then they start losing sleep. And like, that's our job to be empathetic. And it's good to hear you say that because I start to like, it's hard. It's hard to keep that as an advisor every day, all day when it's just, Hey, look, you know, we're only, we're only up 3% this year, but Hey, it's better than being down 20. Like we were last year. And they're like, yeah, like, nobody's leaving the meeting. High five and man, it's tough. Yeah. And I, th- I think, I still think one of the hardest things to remind people of or talk about is just that you got to disconnect the geopolitical stuff and the corrupt politicians and all the other things you want to point to from the markets and the investments because they are, I mean, it'd be stupid to say they're not related, but they are, they're, they're not related because the, it's always the case that you have big stuff going on in the world and the tendency to just very simply look at the, the impact it has on the investments and say, what are we doing? I mean, things are going to shit. So why are we, why are we doing this? That stuff is part of the market, but it's not the market. Right. The market's way bigger than that. Yeah. I feel like this year more than I can remember recently, like the asking for predictions questions yeah. come about like yeah what what are you feeling what are you thinking what are you guys seeing i'm feeling pretty <laughs> shitty right now john <laughs> don't push me you know and and like again you want to we're in it too like all of this affects us personally professionally like and and there's of course shit to worry about and be concerned with um, so you don't want to dismiss or diminish those feelings, but like 
there there isn't a prediction like there isn't a, an answer to that other than i don't know and again i feel like if there are two years of just really tough markets the i don't know is harder for people to accept good advisors will Dis- give you wait, good mike no no, no good. you make your point <laughs> but say good advisors will give you the i don't know yeah. But this is what we're going to do about it. Right. Yeah. And this is our plan. Which yeah. is why so many advisors uh, succumb to that temptation yeah. and they have an answer. It's like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to rotate out of this and into that. And, we're going to, and it, it's just some made up activity yeah. that makes it seem, uh, it, to me, that's an easier thing to do. Oh yes. my God, it's way oh, easier. Absolutely. And yeah. it makes people feel so much better. Right. Yes. I talked to my person. <laughs> right. Man. They, I mean, the reasons they gave me for why interest rates are going to go this way and what we're going to do about it and the changes we made, whew, I feel so much better. And nine times out of 10, they're worse off because of it. Yeah, we see it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Things yeah. will get better, right? Hey, clients, you can, still, you can still bring your bond questions to me. I promise I won't lose it on you. Uh, so next we're going to talk about a um, an idea Jeff has been floating around the office. Should single people consider marrying other single people to improve their financial situation? We'll talk a little bit about kind of tax brackets, Medicare premiums, Social Security, pensions. Those are probably the big ones. The circumstances have to be where one of the individuals has X amount of income and the other has very little. Because the way the tax brackets work is that it's just doubled. So if you have two people that have seventy-five thousand a piece in income, and then they just then they file married jointly, it's the same tax. You know, the only way that you get the benefit of doing what you're saying is if one of them has so little income that just by switching to married filing jointly, it expands the tax bracket and collectively really for the one person more than the other, the tax is lower. So you know I, don't, I don't think it has to be that big of a disparity. I think it does. Because it, it's double. Like they don't... The, it's exactly double? It is. It is. Okay. I looked it up. So what that means is that there has to be some disparity. Some disparity. Now, it doesn't have to be dramatic. How much of it is, sure. is, is yeah. arguable. Yeah. But then you start adding in the Medicare surcharge brackets. You start adding in Social Security survivorship benefits. Like... I don't see other like, and let's let's say that the the financials work out like it makes sense from a, mm-hmm. like, I don't see any downside like, personally, like from a not financial but like a, like a social like standpoint. a social stand. I don't see any downside. Like let's say you, you know, Mike, you and I are, are good buddies. <laughs> We're both single. Like obviously, there's no physical attraction there, um, and like. And we just like, dude, let's just get married. We don't have to tell anybody. Right. We, it's a it's a piece of paper. It's a piece of paper. And we file our tax return jointly. We file a tax return jointly. That's it. Dude, like we go, like, can you imagine like on like every April, like 18th or 19th, like we get our refund and we go out and we party. <laughs> you celebrate your anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> we celebrate our anniversary. Yeah. We would get married on the 17th of April. Now what about Valentine's Day? Do I have to do anything for that? Dude, I think it's a no-brainer. You have um, two older ladies that like are just good friends. Neither like, let's say that they they they're both divorced. They're never gonna get married again. Like, get married, or a, a guy and a girl that are just like friends that are never gonna get married again, or don't want to get married ever. Just get married on it's a piece of paper. I mean, you can you could be susceptible to like, um, okay, so you get married one of the the people has children 
and I don't know, like the mom gets sick, they expect to, the, to be taken care of. Like, what if they like? You could figure that all out. <laughs> Like all of that can be outlined in legal documents and prenups. I mean, all so of that. So that's where it gets complicated, right? Like we're not just talking about a piece of paper then. We're talking about prenuptial, probably postnuptial. Like there's there's more work than that. I'm not disagreeing, but it's not as simple as like let's go to the courthouse and file a joint tax return. I think if you want to start thinking about all those things that can possibly happen. Well, like what if you get sick and like – we have to make a decision if you're going to pull the plug or not. Right. Well, I don't have to be your healthcare power of attorney. Your kid can be your healthcare power of attorney. Just because we're married, quote unquote, doesn't mean that I have to make that decision. I think it's an absolute, I mean, no brainer. You guys aren't as convinced? I, I just don't know if like I feel comfortable encouraging people to take personal, make personal relationships like legal. As a means of financial benefit, the IRS, the IRS, we're talking bleeding about single filers dry. <laughs> it's so unfair. <laughs> if a couple makes two hundred grand, Mike, just give me like roundabout. What are they paying taxes? Like they're probably fifteen percent tax bracket, so like thirty grand, right? If a single filer makes two hundred, what are they paying in taxes? Probably. What'd you say they they pay thirty? Yeah. Probably 45. Yeah. Like, that's so unfair. It's so unfair. For, for what reason? Because they're single? I don't even understand conceptually why it works that way. So you're just, like, getting back at the man here. <laughs> I just, like, can, like, can you explain to me why? No, we can't. Tax brackets are based on income. So what, who gives a shit if you're married or not? Like, why does that even, why does that even factor into the equation? I mean, you make a good point. Pretty soon it's going to be like, well, you're a man. Well, well, you're a woman. So you, you get taxed at this rate. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm the only one worked up about it at this table. You guys seem perfectly happy paying the man, whatever I, you're paying. Them. I'm a single person who pays a shitload of taxes. You guys are married people who pay a lot of taxes. Like, we pay a lot of taxes. I just don't know what the <laughs> – I, I don't – I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just don't have an yeah. answer to why it is the way it is. But I, again, sorry. I get back to my original point was if you have two single people. Making the exact same amount. Right. They pay collectively the same amount as they would if they were filing married. Is the san- Are the standard deductions also it's double? Double, double. Yeah. 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 Okay. But they may have higher itemized deductions. As a couple, so they can get above, they can get above the the total standard. Yeah, yeah, true. Can you itemize? But like, doesn't that get funky? Like, can you have? You couldn't both deduct your interest if you lived in separate houses. No, but if you're both giving twenty grand a year to charity. Okay, well now we're creating a person just saying. that doesn't exist. <laughs> Nobody makes the exact same amount as two single people. Yes. Or yeah. go find somebody that doesn't make the same amount as you. <laughs> yeah. Then it works great. <laughs> can you get married? Can you marry more than one person? Would that help? No, that's illegal, I think. Um, I mean, I think the social security, like spousal benefits, and then being able to elect a survivor on a pension, like there's value there. It's getting more money out of your pension company or social security, but like 
you paid into it. You both paid into it all those years. I'm kind of like, obviously I'm like, I'm saying this a little, like I brought this up like tongue in cheek, but I would love for someone to, to like put some more thought into it. And like, cause I think it's such a wild concept, but who knows, man, like five years from now, somebody like, this is like actual legitimate planning that people should be like, Jane, I know you, Bob, I know you, like you both have like pretty rough tax situations and, and Bob, you have a pension at, you don't like your kids, so it's not going to any of them. Like it might be a legitimate planning technique. I'm going to open up a new firm <laughs> that solely focuses on single people, and I'm going to call it Love Connection Money. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll look forward to hearing. Yeah, I'll let you know how it goes. That missing. Okay, top five. The topic is top five modern professional athletes who don't look like professional athletes. So we talked about like if you walked by these people on the street, yeah, you would not assume they're a pro. There's not one person on my list that you would walk past on the street and go, huh, that's a professional athlete. Not one. Go ahead. <clears throat> Start us off, Meg. Okay. The Manning brothers. That's great. And I had Eli. Like that's great. I didn't even. They didn't even cross my mind. Eli's a doof. Yeah. And Peyton just is so unassuming. Now Peyton's, his face. If he was at, how tall is he? Because if he was at the gym in his prime, you might be like, "Ooh, that guy's a. He's got a like." But he's he was never that. He was never the big guy. He's lean. Really? Okay. He's not like super muscular. Okay. And I just feel like Eli, his face, like oh. there's no Dude, way no would be like that no man way. has won a super. He was wearing ball. a hoodie and sweatpants. You'd be like, look at this loser. Um, T.J. McConnell, Sixers process guard. Oh my God! Great call. He looks like a frat boy. He looks like my son Tyler. Yeah. 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 A little bit taller. Yeah. <laughs> Bartolo Colon. Uh, he's a pitcher, right? Yeah. Oh my, Google him. Guy. Oh yeah, <laughs> like I don't even know what he looks like, but not. And I think he was a pretty good pitcher. <laughs> yeah, 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 he was. Um, maybe is. Yeah, maybe is. Last one, Brandon Marsh. Yeah, all right. I maybe. think a lot of it is his look right. and maybe, his aesthetic, yeah, yeah. but like, just again, I, I don't. Think I try I to. I, I have like the elevator. Like that. That's my. Like when you're in an elevator with this person. Do they look like a professional athlete? I'll go because Jeff's is probably way better. Mine, mine, I, I cheated a little. I had to go slightly off the board to maybe some not currently playing. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. Um, Chris Collinsworth <laughs> is one. <laughs> no doubt. That's a good one. <laughs> He's like my dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, no offense, dad. I got Wayne Gretzky. Got to have a. That's a great one. On I didn't there. even think of him. Um, I got. I got Kruk, John Kruk. I know it's that's yeah. another yeah. good one. Not, that's a good not one. Current, not current. Yeah, even in his prime playing days, he didn't look like. And then I, I put Manute Bowl on there because I just think you would not. You'd be like, okay, look how tall he is, but there's no chance he could survive in a physical professional basketball. I'll give you that. Yeah, I'll I'll give you that. that. And then my last one is AI. I thought about him. Yeah. Yeah. I just I love him so much I yeah, couldn't put I, him on the list. Okay. Um, Daniel Vogelbach. I don't know. He oh, plays for he the play? Mets. He's uh. just a load. Like he's just a, <laughs> a big dude. He does not, and he's like he just looks. He looks like he should be chopping down trees somewhere. <laughs> um, Sergey Bobrovsky does not look like an athlete whatsoever. Is he yeah, a hockey player? Yeah, he's a goalie. Okay. Yeah. 
pretty good. Trey Young does not look like a professional athlete. And don't even tell me he doesn't. I know, I know I'm not. I know you're fascinated with no, him. No, no, no. I'm not. No, I'm not a Trey Young fan. Garrett Stubbs, <laughs> Philly's backup catcher. Yeah. Like, I don't know who that is. I think it's only because, like, every time I see him, he's in the overalls with Bud Lights out of, or Budweiser's so out of like the He's like a pipsqueak. squeak. He's like my yeah. size. Yeah. He's tiny. Did you see how many people dressed up as him as Halloween in yeah. Halloween? Yeah. That was cool. Uh, I'm so happy this one wasn't on your list because I thought for sure it was going to be on yours. <laughs> bang, bang, George <laughs> Miang. <laughs> I mean, I could go through the Sixers roster and come up with <laughs> George is the yeah. is the is like the perfect though. Um, Ninety one in the books. Thanks for listening. Till next time. See ya.